new information involving yesterday's story. We're going to go more into detail about a young girl's ghost being spotted at Nettleton High School. Then we travel to L.A. to take a look at another specter that seems to be trying to interfere with the lives of the living. And then we take a trip all the way out to Arizona. Is there any truth to the story that there is a building in Arizona that's unique architecture actually reveals when the world will end? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm recording this episode pretty early in the morning because this heat wave that is going on, I hope you guys are all beating the heat very well. But someone I know who never gets cold, I don't know what I'm making that up. He didn't tell me this. Everyone give it up for one of our newest Patreon supporters. Cree Master Cycle. Ooh, yeah, come on in, buddy. Come on in. Cree Master Cycle. Cree Master Cycle is actually one of my friends on TikTok, and he has a really cool channel on there. I'll put it in the show notes. He reviews cologne. He's constantly like doing these art projects. It's really cool. It's something that I'm not aware of, right? I don't go. I don't go around smelling different things and going like, how can I put that in a bottle? But he has a pretty cool TikTok channel where he's doing stuff like that. Cree Master, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Now, Cree Master Cycle, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the uh, new vehicle. I just came up with this. <laughs> Give me those keys back. I'm going to toss you the, I'm going to throw it at you, the bunny bike. The bunny bicycle. We're going to get on this. We're going to sit on the handlebars. He can't see over us. He's like, ah. Go ahead and pedal us all the way out to Arkansas. <laughs> it's quite a journey. That's almost all the way across the country. <sighs> Getting a good workout in there, Cream Master. Bottling your own sweaty scent. Yesterday's episode, we talked about Nettleton High School. The ghost of Raider Jim. And it's so funny. I really, really love that story. When I was editing it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, this is going to be a nice spooky one. And like I had said in that episode, if you haven't heard it, basically a ghost story in a gym, sightings of a phantom girl. You could hear people screaming in the darkness sometimes. And then one of the most unique features was there was a tree. Well, there wasn't a tree because then this wouldn't be unique. These students were there late at night. They were hearing screaming in the gym. And when they went into the gymnasium, they saw leaves falling to the ground. And I go, you know, that's super rare as far as paranormal phenomenon goes. Uh, to have living organic matter just manifest. We've had coins manifest. We've had things disappear and reappear in houses. But living matter? No, I said that's rare. I couldn't think of another time that that happened. And I also said on the episode that I was in touch with Nettleton Television. It's the student-run program at Nettleton where they produce two documentaries about Raider Jim, about the ghost of Raider Jim. So I was talking to Nettleton Television about it, and then when I had finished the episode, and it's so funny, I don't usually do this. I don't usually do this. I usually just let people find the episode on their own, but Nettleton Television was so good with giving me information, I thought they might want to know how this turned out. So I sent them the finished episode, and we got some additional news. 
And this is weird. Okay, so I send this over and I talked to the teacher advisor, Craig, Craig Miller. Thank you again for your help. And after everything was said and done, he goes, oh, you know, it was a really cool episode. And it was kind of spooky. But some of the stuff has been confirmed fake. That's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So let's take a look at this. According to Craig Miller, he said, and this is super, and I want to be very clear with you guys because this is just part and parcel of doing paranormal research, right? You're going, generally when you're a scientist and you're researching atoms and stuff like that, you're like, oh, I just read this great paper on how molecules fly around atoms. And then you do all this extra research and then you find out that that scientific paper was fake. It doesn't happen. (laughs) No one's like putting fake bones in the ground waiting for you to dig them up. And then, you know, you're like, oh, man, I thought I made a new dinosaur. No, it doesn't happen. But in paranormal research, it does happen a lot. He goes, I only kind of know what I've heard. But apparently this is so funny because I said how rare it was to have a tree with leaves. Apparently that's fake. He goes, talking to a former choir teacher... He had heard that some of the students had made up the leaves detail. Now, that didn't happen. He goes, I want to confirm that. He's actually going to do a little more digging, but I wanted to be honest and fair. I just found out this information last night. He said, I know one of the students who initially came up with this story about the leaves falling. And then they said, I'll reach out to him to confirm whether or not it was a joke on their part. So we'll see what comes of that. But that's so interesting. Remember, I'm saying this is super rare. I've never seen anything like this before. And it's possibly fake. Probably fake, really. I think we can move it out of the possible. So the probably. And then we have the story that the country music star, Moose. What was it? I don't remember his foot. It was Jim Moose. He talked about that he had seen the ghost. He didn't know it was a ghost at the time. He had seen a young girl walking through the hallways of Raider Jim. They broke in late at night, and he's watching this girl walk. Apparently, apparently, that was fake, too. And But what's interesting about this is that what happened was they made this documentary the original one, the Ghost of Raider Jim. And then this country musician... Oh, I'll look up his name real quick here. Hold on. i got to go into yesterday's notes. But this country musician was watching that original documentary and then contacted the school and said, oh, that's so weird. I didn't know that the place had a reputation of being haunted. I saw a ghost as well. I saw a ghost back in 1980, 1981. His name was Jim Brown. Jim Moose Brown. So anyways... Craig Miller said, Moose saw the original documentary, then Moose contacted us. We shot a new update to the documentary, and once that documentary came out, someone said, oh, that was a prank. We pulled on Moose. He was not a part of it. Years ago, we wanted to scare Moose and his friends who broke into the gym, so they dressed someone up as a girl, or was a girl, I don't know what the thing was, but it was a fake. They had a friend disguised as a ghost and to walk around all creepy. Now, apparently, Moose then heard that story that it was fake and absolutely denied it. Said, no, that's not what it was. That's 100% not what it was. I didn't see a friend. I didn't see someone dressed up as a girl ghost. What I saw was paranormal. What I find so odd about all this stuff, right, 
is that uh, it may be fake. It may be fake, right? Some of the stuff may be fake. All of it may be fake. But I found this in different parts of the internet. And if you were going to, if your objective was to scare Moose and his friends, if you listen to that ghost story, all the all the girl did was kind of walk slowly around the gym, and the two other friends never saw it. Just Moose. Now, that's more of like a psychological terror. That's a long con, right? Because apparently he never really told the story to anyone. He might he told his friends, "Hey, I just saw someone in here. We're gonna get caught." He didn't even think it was a ghost. He just saw a girl walking and thought that another student had gotten in there. So what? That's kind of a lame scare. It's it's weird. So I'm questioning because again, I am a conspiracy theorist. Was what Moose saw fake? That's theory one. Or Moose saw a real ghost, that's theory two. Or Moose saw a real ghost, and there is an active thing going on at Nettleton High to actually suppress the ghost story. So then they made up the debunking. Here's the thing, I'm a conspiracy theorist by nature. And so I have to ask myself, was the ghost a fake, right? Was it a joke? It wasn't a very good joke, right? (laughs) Because they didn't get super scared. The other two guys didn't even see it. More of like a psychological terror, just kind of walking through the darkness. Not like she chased them away or yelled boo or anyone jumped out to scare them as well. So you have that. You had a student prank or Moose saw a real ghost. Now, Craig goes, listen, that first documentary, those people, they were telling those stories. Like He's like, I don't have an explanation for everything. I'm putting words in his mouth. He didn't exactly say that, but he goes, you know... I don't know what to think as far as those stories go. Let me pull up his exact quote here. He goes, as for the stories in our original documentary, I just don't know. It's like Charlie Daniels said, there's some things in this world you just can't explain. So I don't know. And this is just part and parcel of working in the paranormal research community. I'm not mad, right? I'm not mad. I like that story and I wanted to update it for you and this kind of makes sense when i go this is i've never seen anything like this before that makes me think that now that it was fake the leaves coming down because that doesn't match paranormal lore but did moose really see a ghost is this a cover-up are they now kind of backtracking craig's like come on man quit talking about my high school there's no big conspiracy theory going on here it's so funny craig was so good at responding to me even like late at night, and there's a big time difference between Oregon and Arkansas. He was so good at responding to me. The back of my head, I thought he he might be a ghost. <laughs> he might be a ghost haunting a lab at Nettleton High School. Because I was like, dang, this guy's on top of things, and I'm like emailing him stuff at like 10 p.m. West Coast time. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm not saying you're a ghost officially, but anyways, I wanted to give you guys an update. I do think the story is really fascinating. Now that we know parts of it are fake or maybe fake it's actually a little more interesting because very rarely do we get confirmation that stuff's fake and then it kind of lets us go that's why we never see that in any other paranormal stories because it was made up so but we'll see uh, he's going to get in contact with a student who talked about the leaves see if we get more information on that moose is adamant that he saw a ghost craig says i believe his friend who said that it was all a joke Super, super interesting story. Nonetheless, we talked about that for a little bit longer than I thought we would. So, Cream Master Cycle, let's go ahead, get you off that bike. We're going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind Arkansas and Nettleton High School. We're headed all the way out, too. You know what? We had enough ghosts. Let's let's save that ghost story for tomorrow. Go ahead and take that Jason Jalopy all the way out to New Mexico. <laughs> 
Creemaster Cycles driving us on. We got the air conditioner at full blast. And we're headed back to the year 1974. Specifically, it's September 1974. And we're headed towards a little town known as Hobbs. So near Hobbs, New Mexico, there's a farm. And at this farm, you have this little farmhouse, a couple chickens. You know how the song goes, right? Cluck, cluck here and a cluck, cluck there. Cows, probably. I guess there's different types of farms. Like, if you have, like, a bunch of okra, or if you're growing, like, wheat, it doesn't necessarily... I just found this out. You're like, Jason, come on, what are you, three? Not every farm has a cow. Like, there's dairy farms. And if you're a dairy farm, it's not like you're like, ah, oh, it's time to go pull them grapes off the vine. No, it's different types of farms. You're like, yes, Jason, I'm aware of how businesses work. So anyways, I don't know. I'm, I, don't know if this, <laughs> I don't know if this guy had a cluck cluck here and a cluck cluck there. It's a farm. We're back in the year 1974, and this farmer is driving his pickup truck home on the road again. Dun, 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 dun. No copyright violation if I make the tune wrong. He's driving this pickup truck down this dusty path back home. and. As he's getting closer to his house, he sees a sight he's not used to. He's like, what? I don't have any cows. Where is that moo-moo here and a moo-moo there coming from? He looks up in the sky. This massive UFO is in the sky. Just this huge disc is flying overhead. Jason, you really don't learn your lesson. You just found out that you did a whole segment on a story that was fake, and that just involves someone walking through a gym. Now you're going to have a giant UFO in the middle of the day. Flying overhead. And it's so big that not only has his attention, his wife and his daughter, because he's almost home. His wife, his daughter, and apparently a neighbor was visiting at the time. They came running out of the house, and they looked up, and they saw the disc flying overhead as well. Now, he's driving his pickup truck, and he's, like, literally on the path, on like, down his driveway, headed home. And he's, like, driving, and he has his head, like, craned out the window. He's kind of looking up at it, because at this point, it's right over him. And then, all of a sudden, the bottom of the UFO opens up, and this farmer... And his entire pickup truck are beamed aboard. It starts to float off the ground. Oh, no, the brakes don't work. Steering wheel doesn't work. Ah! And he starts to ascend into the belly of this UFO. The wife, the daughter, and the neighbor are all watching this. All watching this entire vehicle get abducted by a UFO. And once the pickup truck is completely inside, the UFO takes off. Apparently, the wife called the police. That would be what you would do, right? You want to be like, oh, maybe he'll come back later. She called the police. The police investigated this. And according to the story, this event was covered up by local authorities. This, you, if, you, if you want to fact check this one, if you want to find out the farmer's name or the exact date or anything like that, you can't. The story was covered up by the local authorities. Now, this story, I have a sneaking suspicion I talked about this story before. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I also read stories a long time ago and have them in my notes. I'm kind of waiting for the right time to talk about them. So I might have covered it before. If I did, I apologize. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm iffy on that, and it's fascinating enough that I wanted to talk about it again. I got this story from ThinkAboutItDocs.com. They got it from a book called Situation Red, The UFO Siege by Leonard H. Stringfield. 
What's interesting is in the world of UFOlogy, there are a few different factions. And this faction, the UFO Siege, is, I really feel, under underserved. In the sense that the aliens are here to do us harm. The aliens are not here for good purposes. You had a big buildup in the 70s and the 80s where the aliens were connected to New Agey. So, I really go back to 60s, 70s, 80s. The aliens were connected to New Agey. They're going to cure all of our diseases. They're going to help mankind ascend to a cosmic brotherhood. You'd see that in books like Childhood's End. By by known pedophile Arthur C. Clarke. I'll put that episode in the show notes. I guess I should I guess I shouldn't say known alleged pedophile Arthur C. Clarke. So as a state doesn't sue me. A childhood's end uh, was about the Cosmic Brotherhood. You'd see a lot of that stuff nowadays. It's kind of a mishmash where you have the reptilians trying to take over the world, or you know the gray aliens doing cattle mutilations or abducting humans. But you still have a good contingent of the Gaia.com. New Age belief that aliens are here to help us. And books like The UFO Siege is saying that's not the case. That's actually not the case. You have aliens that are trying to do us harm, continuously do us harm. And I like showing stories where we are, we're defenseless against these things, right? You would think if you were in a pickup truck, you could outrun this thing. But, I mean, (laughs) they can abduct the whole pickup truck. In front of witnesses, in the middle of the day, you always hear the stories, the big thing. People go, oh, if aliens are real, how come they always visit some drunk farmer in Missouri at 3 a.m.? There's hundreds, if not thousands, of stories that aren't that. But that's kind of the easy way to dismiss it. It's an easy way to dismiss it. And we have this big push towards UFOs, UAPs. Let's get the military to tell us what they finally are. And when you look at reports like this, assuming this report's true, <laughs> assuming this report's true, but whether or not a Tic Tac UFO was flying around the Nimitz battle group back in 2017, yeah, that's cool, right? But it, did, <laughs> it didn't abduct anybody, right? It didn't abduct anybody. It didn't change any. I'm not saying for it to be real, they have to abduct people, but a lot of there's a new push there's a new push towards a very dry clinical look at aliens used to be that there were our space brothers because we were locked into this cold war and it seemed like we were going to kill each other and it was up to the aliens to save us and then as we get into the 90s as the cold war starts to end basically people stop looking outside their borders and within their borders for the enemy the enemy within and we became very conspiracy focused and obviously things like 9/11 made that even worse So now the aliens are, a lot of them are reptilians. They're part of this new world order. They're trying to take over the planet and things like that. But you still have the big new agey movement. Now you have aliens as the oppressors taking over. And then you have aliens in a very dry clinical way. Like if a Tic Tac was flying around the Nimitz battle group, was it a gray? Was it a reptilian? Like it's so interesting. Like now when journalists talk about it now, it's just so kind of dry. The same way you would talk about Oh, we're testing a new laser cannon on a plane. It, it, it isn't really going into any of the sociological issues of alien life. But I wanted I wanted to talk about that because, again, it shows that raw power of alien life, if it is out there. And you'll never hear, you'll never, you'll never read that article on MSNBC.com or Fox News or anything like that. It's too wacky. It's too goofy. It's almost like they're trying to take 
the sci-fi sheen off of the UFO phenomenon. And they're like, here's a, something we don't understand. Here's a Tic Tac. Uh, you know, okay, who's driving it? Like, what type of alien do you think is driving it? Do you think it's C-3PO? Like, let's talk, because you can't talk about UFOs without talking about the sociological part of it as well. So very, very fascinating. This is a really interesting time to be into UFOs, to be in the paranormal, because you're seeing more people talking about it, but they're talking about it in a different way than we're used to. So, very, very interesting story, if it's true. And if it's not, if it's not, or if I covered it already, I apologize. But, Cree Master Cycle, we're going to go ahead and leave behind Hobbs, New Mexico. They're like, will you help us find my husband? We're like, nah, we got something else to talk about. Cree Master Cycle, fire up the carbonicopter. We're headed all the way out to Arizona. This is a story... That just like the Nettleton High School story, I started off by finding it on Shadowlands.net. And the more I dug into it, the better it got. That's generally how these things work, right? The more you dig into it, and if you're able to find more information about it, this story's absolutely insane. It started with the local urban legend, but by the end of the story, you might believe in the legend yourself. We're headed out to Tucson, Arizona. Well, near there. If you're like, oh, I have family there. I'm going to stop and say hi. Nope. Say in the carpenter copter, we're actually headed out to the area of the Santa Cruz River. We're looking for Mission San Xavier del Bac. And this mission was built between 1783 and 1797. <laughs> I was like, how did it take so long to build a building? It's 14 years. People are just praying in there. There's no roof. They're like, ah, totally getting rained on. It took them 14 years to build this building. And today, it's a big tourist attraction, like religious tourist attraction. I don't think people are going out there and, like, taking photos of themselves. Maybe. Maybe if they're praying and stuff like that. I don't know why a non-religious person would go here. I'm not saying you have to worship Mickey Mouse and go to Disneyland, but apparently people visit it. But I don't think it's just random people walking around. But they should! Actually, everyone should stop by this mission. Everyone should stop by Mission San Xavier del Bac because it may give you a clue of what the future holds. This mission is reportedly haunted by a monk. The ghost of a monk. He's like always floating around and stuff like that. He's like, oh, no one built a roof and it got rainy in here and I got pneumonia and died. And there, his, his ghost is kind of floating around. And then also it's like a, a mission building. Remember in school we had to build those little adobe missions? I don't know. I was in California, but we had to build missions for a school project. And we had to like make the little adobe brook. <laughs> not a life-size missions you're like jason that was a pretty brutal school you're like making i was like oh can i please learn math today they're like no you have 50 more adobe bricks to make we'd make little dioramas i remember doing that a lot as a kid this mission had like different buildings it was like a mission complex so you had the main church itself and then you had these other outlying buildings in the same area apparently one of these buildings in the past caught on fire and a nun and five school kids were burned alive at the schoolhouse. They tried to get out, but they didn't. And they were trying to finish their dioramas. The fire's coming. She's like, nope, no one's leaving until your homework's done. They're like, ah! Anyways, you, there's reports that you can see her ghost leading five children away from that area. It's no longer there. The structure's burned down. But the main reason, you know, and there's other ghost stories as well hearing voices and stuff like that. But the main reason I wanted to cover this story, this is so cool, this is so interesting, is outside of the mission, there's this giant facade on the front of the mission, right? 
it's this giant kind of ornate designed piece of work. It's above the main door. And it's it's quite huge. It appears to be really big in the photographs. I'd say it's a couple feet by a couple feet. I'd say it's probably bigger than me, right? And it's all like this ornate work and all like these little curly thingies and little leaves and stuff like that. And then on each side, I'll, there'll be photos in the show notes if that's not enough of an image in your mind. There'll be photos in the show notes on each side. Because, you know, it's like it's supposed to look beautiful, so it's very symmetrical. On each side, at the very edge of the left and the right part of this facade, is this curly little woo-woo. And inside that is a mouse. And then standing outside the woo-woo is a cat. And people, it's weird. Like, people have talked about this historically. Like, I didn't just find this on ghost websites. I was looking up the history of Mission San Xavier del Bach as well. They said, we don't really know why the cat and the mouse artwork is there. Because it doesn't have any religious significance. The other thing, like the main image in the facade outside of all of the little intricate things, is there's a picture of Jesus crucified which is what you would expect on a church, right? But the cat and the mouse doesn't really have any biblical significance. The cat is the only domesticated animal that is never mentioned in the Bible. Cats were very common in the area because, you know, like Egyptians were constantly like had cats around (laughs) according to Prince of Egypt by DreamWorks. You'd have cats. They knew what cats were. Cats are not named in the Bible at all. So there's no religious significance to a cat and a mouse. I think mice are in the Bible, but they're the ones who sewed Jacob's coat of many colors. The cat and the mouse has no religious significance. Why is it there? And this legend popped up, basically, according to reports, the monk, the monk that kind of has an ominous presence, his ghost that wanders the estate, he tells this story. The cat and the mouse are symbols of the end of the world. If the cat ever catches the mouse, the world is about to end. I'm like, what? Like, I mean, it's frozen in time. It's actually carved into stone. And the monk's like, are you doubting me? (laughs) Like, I'm literally a spirit. I'm floating around in front of you. You can see through me. Are you doubting me? But... You can look at these, and I was thinking, like, oh, that would be cool if they actually moved. You see a little ceramic mouse running around and trying to feed it ceramic cheese? They're frozen in time. It's a sculpture. But apparently, according to this legend, if the cat ever catches the mouse, then the world's about to end. Which is good news for us, because it would actually take forever for an inanimate object to catch another inanimate object. But I'm assuming as we're coming closer to the actual end of all human reality, the the death of the universe due to paranormal means i'm pretty sure that cement can move as the demons are pouring out of hell and the angels are pouring out of heaven there's a massive battle across all time and space i'm pretty sure that i'm pretty sure that a facade at a mission in arizona could do something a little wacky but that's the idea if the cat catches the mouse then the world's about to end i saw that i really liked it i took a bunch of notes on it i started to research it i go what a cool urban legend but again as i dug more into this place this is absolutely insane this is absolutely insane you guys may be wondering why i have the cover art that i do for this episode it's the picture of Jesus crucified on the cross, right? And you're like, yeah, I, I can kind of see that. If you guys if you guys are driving the car right now, that's what it is. But he's in such a weird position. If you look at this facade, you'll see that Jesus is crucified. 
But he's not like crucified up on the cross. His hands are spread out and he is them nailed to the cross. And then he's in this weird sitting position. Like you can actually see him kind of slouched down and sitting. And even that looks kind of uncomfortable because it's like the cross is in front of him. So it's this weird thing. So his hands are crucified. And then he's sitting down, and his waist goes behind the cross. I've never seen crucifixion like this before. <laughs> I've been to a lot of them. I'm actually a 3,000-year-old vampire. I've never seen a crucifixion or crucifixion art like this before. So his arms and his torso are in front of the cross, as you would expect. But he's slouching down, and then his waist and his legs are like wrapped around the bottom of the cross. Very, very weird. And honestly, though, when I first saw it, didn't think anything of it. I didn't even really notice that that was part of the motif. I was looking at, I was trying to see if the cat caught the mouse. But as I started looking into just trivia about the mission, I found this website, Tucson.com, did an article, Mission San Xavier Del Bach, 11 Things to Know. And it was quoting all these different facts about the mission. Inside the mission, there is a sculpture statue of St. Francis Xavier. Should make sense. He's the founder of the mission. And he's sitting in a glass case. Now, what's interesting, it used to be a rumor that it was a mummy. It used to be a rumor that it was a mummy. <laughs> that would definitely get me to go to a mission. Any religion that has mummies, I'm down. You have... All of a sudden, I'm a worshiper of Set. You have this uh, statue of St. Francis Xavier in this glass case. And it's just, it's weird looking. So people thought it was, he's all constantly walking around with his arms out, brains, brains. They're like, ah. This, it was not originally a statue of St. Francis Xavier. Originally, it was a statue of Jesus crucified on the cross. And what happened was about 50 miles north, you had the Tumacacori mission that was set up in Arizona way back in time. But by 1849, that settlement was constantly getting attacked by Apache raiders. So they had to start moving stuff. <laughs> They're walking around with arrows in their monk hat. They're like, dude, we got to go. So as they were moving all their stuff from 50 miles north, way back in the 1800s, they had this giant statue of Jesus crucified. It broke. It broke. They're trying to move it down to Mission San Xavier del Bach, which had already been established. It was built back in 1797. So now we're 50 years in the future and 50 miles away. They're bringing down this statue of Christ crucified. And on the journey, his legs break off. And they go, oh, you kind of need those. You kind of need those on a statue of Jesus. So what they do is they took that statue and made it up and like kind of like decorated it and changed it a bit and turned it into a statue of St. Francis Xavier sitting down. So that's the statue that's in there now. So my question to you is, this facade that's sitting on Mission San Xavier del Bach, this mission that was built in 1797, how in the world did they design it to show a picture of Jesus with his legs broken off. If you look at that picture, the way that he's sitting, there's like 
The cross is blocking his waist. And first off, why is Jesus sitting on the cross, right? That's just that's just number one. Why is he even sitting down on the ground? But that facade, as far as I can tell, that that facade is as old as the mission. They have been doing restorations and things like that. But I would be surprised if when they were restoring this mission, they go, you know what we should do? We should change the facade to show the fact that Jesus got his legs broken off on this 50-mile journey. It's possible, right? It's possible that they wanted to be truthful in their advertising that our Jesus doesn't have legs. If you come to Mission San Xavier del Bach. But again, it's not even Jesus with no legs in the church. They turned it into a statue of St. Francis Xavier sitting down in this weird position because it's kind of hard to sit down when you have no legs. So did the facade tell the future? Because the image is clear. It's a picture of Jesus on the cross, but his legs are separated from his body. There's no other way to read that picture. And I can't think of another picture of Jesus crucified on the cross where he's sitting like that. Was it restored over the years to show that? It would be weird to show statues break all the time. Right? If you had a big drawing of Venus de Milo and then her arms broke off, you wouldn't be like, ugh, great. <laughs> then you would erase the arms. The, the art would remain the same. Did the facade tell the future about the statue of Jesus being crucified breaking at that same point? And if the facade told that relatively minor fact that something that was going to happen 50 years in the future, if the facade could detail that, could it then not tell us when the universe is going to end? So forget your doomsday clocks and your green button. Forget the soothsayers on the internet constantly talking about two more weeks and the world will end. The real gauge to tell whether or not the end is nigh may actually be sitting in Arizona. An image of a cat trying to get at an image of a mouse. Frozen in stone. It does not quickly move depending on political leaders. It does not quickly move depending on the geopolitics of the world or the emotions of the person making the prediction. The only thing that can move these items, the only thing that can get the cat close to the mouse, would be God himself. The only person who can warn us about the destruction of the universe is the only person who can destroy the universe. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.